Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Friday and welcome to the Ross Marcazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California at 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I am joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Friday? I just have one thing to say to all of you doubters, haters, and you lovers out there. Go Duke! <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Nostradamus G. Hey Wiley. Not only the Duke win, congratulations, but the Gonzaga loss that you kept warning us about, and it happened. So, congrats, G. Hey. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that that was uh, amazing. G. Hey took her victory lap. Um, all right, listen, we are going to get into all that and more. So, let's uh, not waste any more time. Let's get to today's headlines brought to you by Circus Sports. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so last night. Arkansas upset number one Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, and Duke beat Texas Tech to advance to the Elite Eight. Duke will now play Arkansas on Saturday for a trip to the Final Four. Who you guys got, and which game was a bigger surprise? I mean, listen, uh, of course, it, it was impossible not to think of G. Hay Wiley last night. I mean, first, it's uh, Gonzaga. Uh, falling, by the way, in the uh, uh, Sweet 16. I mean, uh, I would not have been shocked if they lost the national championship game or lost in the Final Four. But for Gonzaga to lose to Arkansas, get upset uh, last night, um, I, I'm shocked, shocked. Maybe Jihei is not shocked, but I think the majority of the country is uh, shocked uh, Duke, you know, doing what they do best, although that was a, a great game against Texas Tech. I got Duke. I mean, and I, I'm kind of interested to hear what Jihei says. I mean, she was not very high on this Duke team towards the end of the season going into the tournament. Uh, you know, again, losing the last uh, game at Cameron, losing the conference uh, tournament. But they are now one win over Arkansas, of all teams, away from going back to the Final Four. Yeah, I am not shocked um, that Gonzaga lost. I am shocked, however, that they lost um, during the Sweet 16. I thought maybe Final Four. Um, I thought that they'd at least make it past these rounds, right? But you know what? Uh, also shocked about Duke as well. Um, I'll tell you why I'm not sh entirely shocked about Gonzaga. Obviously, I already said that they were not going to win in my lifetime. They are never going to win a title in my lifetime. But Gonzaga has never, this whole entire uh, March Madness, they have not beaten the spread at all so they are they are literally defeated against the spread so that spread was nine and a half it ended at nine and a half points against arkansas and i took it um because i'm the smart girl that i am but uh the, the the fact that they it was really telling um and they always had to come back right last game uh for the second round they had to come back this game they had to come back as well and they couldn't um arkansas just bullied them they just really, really bullied them. And uh, yeah, so I just, I don't, I didn't see them entirely winning, but uh, which is, which is fine because it just makes me right. Um, uh, but with Duke, 
I mean, I thought we were going to make it to the Sweet 16 and that was all she wrote. So for for Duke to make it to the Elite Eight right now, I am ecstatic. Thank God. Thank you so much to... Um, Oh my gosh, why did I just blink on his name? Um, uh, yeah, t- thank you so much to Jeremy Roach for staying one extra year because you are a baller. Your draft stock just went up, bro. You are th- the saving grace for Duke basketball. So thank you to Jeremy Roach for staying. All right, that was not the only upset of the day, guys. Houston also upset the number one seeded Arizona, who I actually had winning this whole entire thing. Suddenly the top two favorites at Circus Sports and the two teams everyone had meeting in the national championship game are out. Who do you have playing in the national championship game and winning it all now? You know, it, it, it's a great question because that was my, I kind of went shocked when it went to, uh, you know, who was going to play in the uh, championship game and who was going to, uh, you know, win the national championship. My my pick was U of A, Gonzaga, U of A to win the whole thing. So now that I look at it, now that I'm looking at the final four, I do have North Carolina playing Duke in the final four, um, which, which would be amazing. What an amazing rematch that would be. I do have Villanova going up against Kansas. I got, well, I mean, I'm so interested to hear what uh, Jihei says. I got Duke going up against Kansas in the national championship game and Coach K being sent off in a very storybook fashion, one that Jihei would have never predicted. But listen, they are one win away over Arkansas of going to the Final Four. I, I don't think UNC is going to beat them back-to-back games. I think this is a this would be a rematch and a moment that you know duke would get their revenge and i'm not high on kansas but they're they're in my view gonna make it to the championship game so give me duke give me kansas and give me coach k riding off into the sunset with a national championship you know what do not knock villanova they they have played a pretty phenomenal uh tournament so far with their super senior uh colin gillespie but um yeah arash i think you might be right because even if Carolina does win, they'd have to beat Duke in the Final Four um, if Duke beats Arkansas uh, tomorrow. Or, yeah, tomorrow. So, you know what? I'm going to ride this high. I'm going to say Duke all day, um, and Coach K finally gets his number six, and that that's going to be my pick. I I, I don't know. I, I realistically, like th- th- that's just me being, you know, in the clouds and uh, a Duke, you know. We, we can win it all kind of a fan but um yeah i looking at this i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be rough it ain't gonna be easy i think for everybody arkansas played a baller game against gonzaga uh let's they might be riding a high and they might beat duke so i mean it's very very plausible and on top of it nobody has us to win anyway nobody has duke basketball to win the tournament regardless so um majority of everybody got busted out the second that uh, Gonzaga lost in the second that you know uh, uh, shoot sorry the uh, the second that Gonzaga lost and anyways but um, yeah so we'll we'll see we'll see we're, we're, um, I'm, I'm rooting for Duke this whole entire time from this point on you know we're championship or bust championship or bust well the Clippers they play Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia Sixers tonight, guys. Doc Rivers said yesterday, I left the Clippers a place of destination 
We were the laughing stock when he left. No one wanted to play for the Clippers. Do you agree with that, Arash? So here's the thing. Doc is basically trying to take credit for turning around the Clippers. And as much as I love Doc, as much as he meant to the franchise during the whole Donald Sterling trial scandal, whatnot, that's not true. I mean, quite frankly, the uh, drafting in, uh, you know, Blake Griffin's rookie season made them a team around the league that you kind of like perked up and wanted to watch. And then obviously it goes without saying the trade of uh, Chris Paul to the Clippers was a franchise uh, changing move. So no, listen, Doc left the Celtics for the Clippers because he saw uh, the Clippers were on the brink of winning a championship, perhaps, you know, the way it turned out, they never did make it past the second round. But Doc, you know, Doc played a huge role in what the Clippers became. They were already the Clippers when Doc got there. You know, they, they drafted Blake. Blake was amazing. They got Chris Paul. They had DeAndre Jordan. The Clippers were the Clippers by the time Doc Rivers got there. Yeah, I agree. I mean... You didn't want to watch Clipper basketball. Well, I wanted to watch Clipper basketball, but majority of America didn't want to watch Clipper basketball until Blake Griffin got there and made them a viable team, made them a viable franchise. And Doc helped. I'm not going to knock that. You know, Doc helped us get into the playoffs, helped us maybe reach that goal where we weren't just an entertaining team, where the Clippers weren't just an entertaining team to watch. But he's not the end-all be-all because look at them now. They're still a viable team. They're still a very well-coached team. They're still the Clippers that you want to go out and see and you want to go and watch. And you have a little bit of hope that they can be that, you know, at least go to the playoffs and um, pass that play-in tournament. So, no, I do not agree with this. Doc, slow your roll, man. This is great revisionist history by Doc because you could make the argument that he is the reason that they didn't get a championship during that tenure. Yes, he he was part of putting them back on the map, but like you guys said, it was more Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and the players. This quote honestly just reeked to me of desperation by Doc because already, before the playoffs have even started for Philadelphia, people are already saying that Doc Rivers is going to be the reason that the Sixers choke, which is like... He's already getting ahead of the eight ball and saying like, no, wait a second. Hold on. I, you know, I put the Clippers on the map. He's trying to get ahead of the of, of the narrative, which I commend him for. But it's not going to work, Doc. You kind of you, you were the reason the Clippers couldn't get over the hump. And same thing with Philadelphia right now is it's it's looking like history could repeat itself with the Sixers. Well, Anthony Davis and Paul George could reportedly be back in April but before the play-in tournament game, guys. How does that change things for the Clippers and Lakers who are trying to get into the playoffs right now? You know, this is massive. Uh, you know, let's not discount the fact that, you know, when these two guys are healthy, you're, you're, you're talking about two of the top 10 players in the league. So it's not like they're getting role players back. I think if Anthony Davis comes back to the, to the Lakers before the uh, play-in tournament, they can, uh, in my view, certainly beat the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. We'll see how that game turns out Sunday in New Orleans. But with Paul George, and we've talked about it on the show, I, I think the Clippers can make a run here. Again, it's going to be hard as the 7 or 8 seed. But that being said, we saw what the Clippers did with Paul George. Again, when, when Kawhi was out, Paul George led the Cl Clippers for the first time in franchise history to the Western Conference Finals. So this is no small thing. If these two guys return before the play-in tournament, 
I like the Lakers to perhaps, you know, make it to the eighth seed. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Clippers with Paul George beat the Minnesota Timberwolves and they're the seventh seed. So, uh, you know, uh, this, this is really big. And I don't think enough people are talking about this because these guys have been out for so long. But again, when Paul George and Anthony Davis are healthy, you're talking about two of the top 10 players, and that changes the game. Shaquille O'Neal yesterday said that the Lakers would beat the Suns if they met in round one. And obviously, you know, wow. that that's, that's a very bold take. The Anthony Davis part of this, we've seen enough of a sample size for the Lakers. I think that it would obviously change the dynamic and maybe let them make it out of the playing tournament, but I don't think that they're going to beat Phoenix round one. With the Paul George side of this, the Clippers are one of the most tight-knit, you don't hear any news break out of their organization. Because he's practicing, I don't know if that means he's actually going to play. There's, We don't know with that organization. There was a report two days ago about Norman Powell coming back, and then all of a sudden, right after that, Norman Powell tweeted at the reporter and said, who told you that? Like, we don't yeah. let sources leak out of our organization. I don't know what the plan is for the Clippers, but I mean, obviously having Paul George back, people are forgetting he was an MVP candidate this season. Like, that is a huge addition. But I just have to wait and see because they're so close with their sources. Yeah, no, I, the Clippers for sure, it's a wait and see. I mean, but with this Anthony Davis coming back, I mean, it's that's a godsend right there for the Lakers, right? Um, even just for the play-in tournament. But I feel like they're going to have to treat him with little kid gloves, right? Because, I mean, he's constantly getting hurt. So you don't want him to get hurt, you know, right in the play-in tournament and right before you can possibly make it to uh, to the playoffs and, and therein. So... Treat him with kid gloves, guys. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, well, Dave Roberts guaranteed that the Dodgers will win the World Series this season. He told Dan Patrick yesterday, "We are winning the World Series this year. Put it on record." Do you agree? I do agree, and I don't know how to feel about the guarantee. But why not? Listen, put it out there. Speak it to existence. I mean, this is the most talented Dodgers team that they've had, and they've been the most talented team in the league over the past five years. You know, they've, they've, they've played in three World Series. They've won one. Uh, but of all the teams that, 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 that I've covered during this time when they've uh, made it to the World Series in 2017, 2018, and then in uh, 2020, this is the most talented squad. So they should win it all. Doesn't mean that they will. But, you know, unless someone gets hurt, unless something happens, I mean, when you look at this roster, when you look at that lineup, that is an all-star from top to bottom. I mean, this is the most talented team in the league. Uh, according to Circus Sports, they are favored uh, to win the World Series. The over-under is 96 and a half games, and I told my friends, I mean, that is easy money. Again, unless someone gets hurt, this team will win over 105 games. So this is the best team in baseball, and I don't mind Dave Roberts speaking it into existence. We will win the World Series this year. Good on you, Dave Roberts. I hope it comes true. You know what? I agree. I think that if if Dave Roberts uh, did not put try to speak this into existence, tried not didn't talk about this, didn't say like, well, you know, let's see, wait for the season, it wouldn't instill confidence in the organization. It wouldn't instill confidence in those players, and it probably you know wouldn't exude confidence in himself as well. He wouldn't be in the position that he's in. Also, what the Dodgers have done year in and year out is phenomenal 
And they should be viable for a, a World Series. They should be vying for a World Series every single year. They should be contending, and they should be winning one every single year. I mean, the the way that this roster stacks up, that this is the way it should be. It should be, and and we are we're LA. I mean, it sounds really pompous. It sounds really really crude, but we are LA. It should be championship or bust. And I know that sounds arrogant, but it is what it is, guys. Like in in LA, it is championship or bust. There's no no ifs ands or buts about it. And Dave Roberts and this Dodger organization are very much about that life. And I'm there I'm on board. So, you know, yes. World Series or bust, man. We we're, we're put it on record right now. We're winning a World Series this year, especially with this roster that we have um come come to put together or that the Dodgers have come to put together. So good on them for putting that out there. But, but I like it, you know, because I think a lot of managers out there, you know, just want to talk about the here and now. You know, we, we want to talk about spring training, but uh, I, I like it when the manager says, hey, I don't mind telling you, we're the best team in the league, we're the most talented team in the league, and we will win the World Series this year. Well, the co-owner of the Lakers and the Dodgers, Todd Bowley, um, is a finalist to buy Chelsea LA and Rams uh, sorry and the LA Rams owner Stan Kroenke already owns the Arsenal what are your thoughts on LA sports owners taking over the English Premier League and do you have a team you support by the way this is like an interesting rivalry because Arsenal and Chelsea I mean that is the London Derby they, they are they are big rivals so uh, if Todd Bowley, uh, who, again, uh, you know, just bought a, a piece of the Lakers, he's a co-owner of the Dodgers, if he buys Chelsea, you know, and Stan Kroenke owns the Arsenal, uh, that, that, that would be funny. By the way, you know, again, I'm not from London, so I, I don't have any problem with this. I do think that there's a lot of fans out there in London who would like local guys to own the team, but I have no problem with this. I think it'd be fa- fascinating if Arsenal and Chelsea met like like every year, whether it's a regular season game, which I don't know if we've ever had, but we haven't had that in quite some time, whether it's in the regular season or perhaps preseason, I think that that, that would be fascinating. But yeah, listen, Stan Kroenke owns Arsenal, Todd Bowley buys Chelsea. I think that, that, that would add a fun layer uh, to the Los Angeles sports dynamic when, again, you, when you talk about two of the most storied, uh, prominent, and uh, historical franchises in the Premier League, that's awesome. In terms of my team, I like Arsenal. I've been an Arsenal supporter for many years. This was back in the day when they won the Premier League. They haven't done that in quite some time. But I've been a fan of Arsenal for many years. But it's fun, you know, like if you're a morning person, uh, like me, it's always fun to wake up, you know, six, six o'clock in the morning and watch your favorite team play. My only thing with owning multiple sports team is how do you manage that? But obviously, somehow Stan Kroenke, who owns, you know, the Nuggets, the uh, the the Arsenal and obviously the Rams, he's making it work. So if it can work, then by all means, go ahead and own as many sports franchises as you would like. If you have the money to do it, why not? In terms of myself, do I have a, uh, an English Premier League team that I support? Not really, because as Jihei Wiley alluded to, uh, we are not really morning people, me and Jihei. So by the time <laughs> I wake up, typically the games are long gone. But I don't know, Jihei, what do you think? You know what? Um, I, I do like the fact that they are trying to bring this to L.A. and bring this you know, over because, as, as they call it, football. Um, and I'm using air quotes uh, since we're on the radio and nobody can really see me. But uh, fo- football technically is not, you know, really 
a huge sport out here, right? So to be able to bring that um, out here, that might it might be great to internationally. I mean, it would bring everything full circle, and especially in LA since we're, you know, we're very an international. Uh, city as well so I, I i like it i know that people across the pond probably don't like it they're probably not the hugest fans of it but i'm down i i think like this is the epitome also of america and and you know be, being able to own your own stuff and whatever so i i i'm very okay with it i uh, i can't wait and do i have a team no but i can be persuaded I love LAFC, yeah. so I, I can always be persuaded to LAFC. to love another another team internationally. So, no, it's it, it's fantastic, and again, Los Angeles is the perfect place to have that. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will talk more about the Lakers and the Dodgers. When we are joined by our good friend Michael Duarte from KNBC Four in Los Angeles. When we come back right here on the Mightier Ten Ninety ESPN Radio in Southern California and ninety eight point five The Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to a future LA Kings or LA Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. That number again, 310-400-0340. All right, now joining us on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, our good friend joining us every Friday from KNBC4 in Los Angeles, Michael Duarte. Michael, how are you? Good, Arash TGIF to all your listeners. Thanks for having me on. That's right. Uh, Michael, Dave Roberts made a little bit of news yesterday when he was on the Dan Patrick show. Maybe it was tongue-in-cheek, but I certainly believe it to be true. He said that the Dodgers are going to win the World Series this year. He said, uh, what was his exact quote? I'll read it back to you. I'm sure you heard it. We are winning the World Series this year. Put it on record. Your thoughts on Dave Roberts speaking it into existence. Arash, I love Doc, and you always should speak it into existence, and you should always have that positivity, especially when you are a leader of men. Uh, Dave Roberts is a player's manager. He, he relates to everybody like a father figure. He puts his arm around you. He knows you personally. He knows your family. And when you have a guy like that who believes in you, who has the confidence in you, you want to go out there and run through a wall for him, as we say. Now, as far as his comments about winning the World Series – just let you in a little secret of rush. He says that each and every year. Okay. Uh, I, I will give you an off the record story that I don't think Dave m- minds me sharing, but uh, at Dodger stadium last season in the playoffs in the national league championship series, the Dodgers were once again in a similar hole, you know, like a rabbit, you know, in its burrow, they were down three, one to the Atlanta Braves, just like they were in 2020. And it was before the game. We were on the field at Dodger stadium. I'm sure you were, Somewhere near me, actually, at that time, Arash. And Dave Roberts came up to me and he said, Michael, come here. And he said, don't tell anybody this, but we're going to come back from this series again. We're going to go to the World Series. We're going to face the Boston Red Sox, who at the time were in the ALCS against the Houston Astros. And he's like, and we're going to beat them in five games, just like they beat us in 2018 in five games. 
And you know what? I kind of believed him at the time. But of course, it didn't happen. History uh, wrote itself a different way. The Dodgers go on to lose the series because Max Scherzer can't pitch. Uh, and the, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox collapsed and the Houston Astros came back. So none of those things came to fruition. But the point is, is Dave Roberts thinks his team is going to win the World Series each and every year. He has that confidence. He told me the same thing in 2020 when they were down 3-1 uh, to the Red Sox, and he, or sorry, excuse me, to the Braves. Uh, and they did come back and, and win that series and beat the Rays to win their first World Series in 32 years. So sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, but you like the confidence nonetheless that it gets your players revved up and excited. No doubt about that. Uh, you know, Michael, you, you cover a lot of the teams in Los Angeles. Doc Rivers is back in Los Angeles uh, tonight to play the Clippers, um, he mentioned that, you know, he's the reason that, you know, the Clippers are a destination franchise. Um, of course, I mean, I, my view and uh, the view of a lot of Clipper fans out there, you know, is that that uh, transition happened when uh, Blake Griffin was drafted and then Chris Paul signed with the team. Your, your thoughts on Doc as a head coach and, you know, I, again, I think no one person meant more to the Clippers franchise during the Donald Sterling trial in scandal, then Doc. That being said, let's not rewrite history. I think the Clippers became a destination team and one of the top five teams in the league when Chris Paul teamed with Blake Griffin. I mean, the Clippers are, are located in Los Angeles and, and they will always be a destination first and foremost just because of their location uh, and their geographic location. But yeah, let's not get it twisted, Arash. You and I could do this. And if you recall, you know, it took a lot to pry Doc Rivers away from the Boston Celtics at the time, the money and, and what they needed to do to get him to come out to L.A., but he was the coach that, that that franchise wanted at the time. And I agree with you that it's more about players than necessarily the head coach at the time. Now, granted, he was probably sturdier than a ship in a storm at that point as far as the transition that was taking place with the Clippers after they turned the roster over and Blake Griffin was traded to the Detroit Pistons and you know, Doc was still there until the end, until he finally decided to leave. Uh, but to your point, I think if you want to point the, the uh, Ionis on anybody for why the Clippers became that, I actually look at David Stern uh, at the time for axing that Chris Paul to the Lakers trade, if you remember, because if the Chris Paul to the Lakers trade goes down, then Chris Paul is never in a Clippers jersey. And you don't have Lob City with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and those guys. Uh, and the playoff runs that the Clippers had, uh, even though they never were able to make it to the Western Conference Finals. But yeah, if Chris Paul, and, my, and to, to my point, if Chris Paul had never been able to go to the Clippers and they hadn't done that trade with New Orleans to get him to L.A., to Hollywood, to Tinseltown, to create this big three, I don't think you would have had a point guard that would have been able to um, showcase Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and create the excitement that the Clippers' Lob City years had while simultaneously, Arash, don't forget this, the Lakers were in those lean years where they weren't making the playoffs, where they were in the draft each and every year with a top three, top five pick. So all of that had to go together, this perfect storm of sorts for that to happen. But you speak of the Clippers, Arash, uh, and that's kind of important to talk about. I know nobody talks about them in this city, but right now they are more cold than a chef's knife preparing a four-course meal, if you know what I mean. I think they're three, they're three and seven, their last 10 um, they're struggling a little bit. They're just kind of spinning the wheels right now. They're, they're safe position in the eight seed, which means they're securely locked in the play-in game. They're going to be probably traveling to Minnesota uh, to face the Timberwolves uh, in that first playoff game where they may lose that. And wouldn't that be great if they had a second-round play-in tournament matchup with the Los Angeles Lakers? 
at the Crypt for the right to go to the playoffs and face the Phoenix Suns. That's the kind of excitement that we want to see here in Los Angeles. But you know what? Here's what Clipper fans might want to hear about that. Even though it looks like the Lakers are finally starting to figure something out, finally starting to play with some energy, some pace, some effort. Uh, looks like they have a young athletic lineup. They finally sat all the old guys like I told you they needed to do, put them back in the old folks' home over at Sunrise Living, the retirement center, and they're letting Russell Westbrook cook a little bit. You know, he's wearing his his son's his four-year-old son's sweater, you know, a nice cashmere sweater. He's wearing that. Looks like it's giving a little bit of confidence. He's playing a little bit better. But Paul George practiced with the Clippers for the first time. Looks like he's getting ready to make a little bit of comeback. And now word out of Clippers camp, Kawhi Leonard, if they get out of that play-in tournament, could be ready for a seven-game first-round series against the Phoenix Suns. That's got Clippers fans excited as well. Um, Michael, again, there's no, I guess, shock that Walker Buehler will be the starting pitcher for the uh, Dodgers. Talk about the the transition from Clayton Kershaw to Walker Buehler. Of course, you know, again, no shock there, but, um, you know, Kershaw's back, and, you know, maybe hopefully he gets that first start at home. Uh, your, 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 your thoughts about what we knew would happen for years that the b- baton has been passed from Clayton Kershaw to Walker Buehler. Yeah, you said it, Arash. The proverbial baton, the torch, like we say, for the Olympics has finally been passed on uh, to the next generation. We've known for a few years now, let's be honest, especially the way he performs on, in the biggest and brightest moments, um, which, which, let's be honest, Kershaw has not been able to do over the course of his playoff career, even though he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, three-time Cy Young Award winner, former MVP. He has all the accolades and awards you could possibly muster in the regular season. He has still wilted like a flower in winter when it comes to the playoffs. And, and Walker Bueller has risen to those moments as the big game pitcher Bueller is. So we have known that his ascension to the number one starting spot on the, on the Dodgers uh, has been there for a while. It, it's a long time coming. But I, I will say something. You said it wasn't a shock. And I guess when you look at it on its face, of course it's not because he is the number one starting pitcher. He is your SP1. You know, if you're playing MLB The Show, you know, he's the guy that gets defaulted to be starting the game if you just were random matchup and you were playing as the Dodgers. But there is some sort of like sentimental, uh, heartfelt value, especially when Clayton Kershaw comes back to the Dodgers. He could have gone to the Texas Rangers and stayed close to home, as we know. Um, and when it comes to the Dodgers Arash, whenever you have me on the show, you know, I'm like a, a, a no turn left sign. I can only be right. Right. And so... We knew Kershaw was going to come back, and I knew the one thing that was going to bring him back to the Dodgers was his desire and his competitiveness to win and compete for the World Series and win rings. I knew that, that signing Corey Seager and signing the moves the Rangers made helped potentially get Kershaw inter- interested there, but I know he looks at them and he sees where the Houston Astros are at. He sees where the Angels are at. He sees the Mariners ascending in that, that AL West, and he still says... Eh, the Rangers are closer, but they're not there yet. Whereas the Dodgers can be in the playoffs each and every year and have a shot to win the World Series. As you mentioned, they're the favorite in Las Vegas. So he wants to go win a ring. That's why he came back. So to me, he also wants to be the opening day starter. Yeah. You know, he's done it nine times in his career, including tying a record of eight straight for the Dodgers. He wants to make the 10th opening day start. I know when we ask him about it, he's going to say, I, un- I understand Walker's deserving of it, all that stuff. But I know his competitive juices. He wants to be out there on opening day because he still sees himself as the guy 
that won all those wars and accolades I mentioned. A little surprised that it was announced so soon. Um, but again, Walker Bueller has earned the right to be your SP1. Uh, and let's be honest, Clayton Kershaw is probably your third starter at this point. And depending on what happens with the Trevor Bauer situation, you know, towards the, the middle of the season when we probably would expect him, he might be down to your fourth best pitcher on that, on that rotation. Uh, Michael, what's uh, the update you have for uh, the Rams and how they're doing? Again, I love that they're in the market for Bobby Wagner when you talk about an eight-time all-pro linebacker, uh, Super Bowl champion. I mean, I mean, you're not going to get closer to Von Miller than a Bobby Wagner type. And then also, you know, he's in the same division. So he knows Seattle, knows San Francisco, knows the Cardinals. What, uh, what, first of all, what's the update there? And just generally, I know you caught up with Les Snead recently. What can you tell us about what the Rams are doing this offseason? Yeah, I'm like a nurse at a hospital. I got my fingers on the pulse, Arash. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to the Rams, I got some updates and news for you. The extension for Aaron Donald to make him the highest paid defensive player in the NFL is very close. I expect that announcement to come, if not this weekend, next week sometime. Um, I believe that will be a done deal. Now that they've kind of rearranged some cap space, thanks to Matthew Stafford being willing to renegotiate his contract and really backloaded in the 2025-26 season, his cap hit, believe it or not, Arash, uh, compared to Aaron Rodgers, who's like at 45, almost 50 million in, in 2022, Stafford's cap hit is just going to be 13 and a half million in 2022 wow. uh, and just a little bit around there in 2023. That leaves a lot of space to pay a guy like Aaron Donald, to go out and get a guy like Allen Robinson, a big, tall receiver that gives the Rams something on offense they've never had before, a new toy for Sean McVay to play with. So those moves allowed uh, Robert Woods to be expendable and to get him traded Titans, even though that pulls on our heartstrings as well. Uh, of course, we love Bobby Trees. Uh, he's a USC guy. You and I know yeah. him well. And he's such a gracious professional, such a kind heart who's been through so much. So I'm glad he was able to win a ring before... Uh, he departed via trade. So it opened up this space for Aaron Donald. Um, they're going to make him the highest paid defensive player in the NFL very, very soon here. Uh, and the rest of the roster is kind of building out. Now, to your point, Bobby Wagner, uh, I asked Les Snead about it recently. There is interest there, of course. As I mentioned to you on this show a couple weeks ago, Les Snead wanted to draft Bobby Wagner when he came out of college and was going to ready to play in the NFL. And he misses the opportunity that he wasn't able to do that. But with that said, Les Snead kind of put me back in my place here a little bit. He <laughs> said, when you get outside of the name Bobby Wagner, which of course excites everybody and you start talking about it internally, they already met with the defensive staff. They already broke down film on Bobby Wagner and they have already decided internally and are not letting us know that here in the public or even in the media, whether or not they believe He's a good fit for this Rams defense. That tells me they might not be getting Bobby Wagner and they might be filling that linebacker position or that edge rusher that they lost in Von Miller, either internally, either via trade or either via the draft. So I think there was mutual interest with Bobby Wagner and the Rams, but to hear Les Snead say, we can't just go off of the name alone, the name on the marquee and what he's done in his career. We actually have to break down the tape see what he can still do, what his positives are, what his negatives are, and how he fits in our defense, worries me a little bit as far as if the Rams are going to bring him there or not. That tells me that they've seen something that might not be an exact fit for them 
but we'll see. I know the Cowboys are interested in him as well. Uh, I don't think it's going to come down to money because obviously Seattle cut him. So there's a lot of that money going and being paid for by the Seahawks. Um, but it looks like as far as other positions they need, you know, they lost Darius Williams at cornerback, something I told you to expect was going to happen. They lost Sebastian Joseph Day, something I told you to expect was going to happen. They need a new punter because longtime punter Johnny Hecker now is over now in Carolina. So they need a lot of positions to fill. Les Need tells me they got plenty of time to do it as the Super Bowl champs. As you mentioned with the Clippers, LA is still a destination and you want to go win a ring with the Rams. They're going to have plenty of guys willing to take pay cuts to come for them so they have time to figure this out. But I would say via trade and look for a lot of trade activity during the NFL draft coming up in May to see where the Rams will start filling those holes. Uh, Michael Duarte from KNBC4 in Los Angeles dropping dimes here as he does every Friday here on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. Uh, you mentioned this. Paul George is practicing with the team, could be back perhaps for the play-in tournament game. Kawhi Leonard maybe might be back if they advance to the first round. And Anthony Davis, Michael, is expected to come back uh, soon, whether it's next week or at least before the end of the season. It's been a forgettable, disastrous season for the Lakers. But if Anthony Davis comes back, Michael, and if he is back to his old self, if he is one of the top five or ten players of the league, combine that with what LeBron James is doing this season, could the Lakers do the unthinkable? And again, they would not be in this position two years ago. Eleven games below 500, nine games left in the season, they would not be in the position to make the playoffs. But Michael, if they beat the New Orleans Pelicans, and they beat either the Wolves or the Clippers, they are in the playoffs. Can they do it? Yeah, Rosh, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers are like you and I driving on the 405 freeway, you know, with the guy riding our tail. We got to check the rearview mirror because not only have the Pelicans passed them, they have the same record, but they have the tiebreaker. Have they passed them, dropping the Lakers down to the 10 seed? You got all-time NBA wins leaders for a coach, Greg Popovich, right in your rearview mirror, two games back, trying to steal that 10 spot from them. And you got LeBron James dealing with a sore right knee, as we mentioned. You got Anthony Davis still not playing. You got Kendrick Nunn uh, on, the, on the bench, riding the pine on the all-time bench, all-stars. So you got a lot of, of question marks there and a lot of teams coming up. But guess what? They got the Pelicans uh, at home for their next game. Or sorry, at New Orleans for the next game. Then they got them a couple days later at home at the Crypt. So you have your fate and your destiny in your own hands. You have to beat this Pelicans team. And they did not show up. They got blown out the last time they played them. So yeah, right. If they can win these two games, Anthony Davis, I expect to return maybe in a week and a half, two weeks, maybe with a couple games left in the regular season. If you can get him going, you, you like your odds when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on any team healthy and at full strength, especially with now they've seen, as I mentioned to you, to figure out the other pieces, these young guys like Wenyan Gabriel, Stanley Johnson, uh, THT when he's healthy. Keep the young athletic guys that can play defense and go run on the break around LeBron and AD. Uh, and then every now and then put some three-point shooters out there like Malik Monk and maybe Wayne Ellington if he gets some run. And now you got a team that looks like it. And guess what? You know, Dwight Howard put up 24 points, eight rebounds against the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid, another potentially MVP candidate the other night. Dwight Howard, if he can put up a game like that, especially against a team with a big uh, that's a good sign if he can turn back the clock on those moments. So uh, I like their chances in a play-in game, even if they have to travel to New Orleans for it. I like their chances there, and I would love to see a matchup with the Clippers, but come on, Arash. The Clippers own the Lakers. 
They got their number. If Paul George is able to come back for that game, watch out for the Lakers. So it'll be interesting. Look, you know, even if the, the Lakers were able to win uh, that play in those two play in games and get to a seven game series with the Suns, I don't think anybody gives them a chance uh, against the Phoenix Suns. That team has been together for so long. They beat the Lakers, obviously, last year when they were at full strength, full health, and didn't have uh, a curmudgeon in Russell Westbrook. So, you know, I think that, that the shadow burns across the embers like, like tide paper in this one, right? I think that they're destined to burn out at some point, and probably even if they were to get to that first round, they'd lose to the Suns eventually. But, yeah, we'd like to see it, right? We'd like to have the right. hope. That's all we have as Lakers fans right now is hope. Well, Michael, a last minute here, just really briefly on uh, USC. I think everyone's really excited about them coming back to practice, uh, spring practice right now. They have their pro day. Lincoln Riley is there. Caleb Williams. At quarterback, uh, in 60 seconds, your thoughts on USC this upcoming season? Yeah, you mentioned it. All of this is going to be around Caleb Williams. Is he the guy that we thought he was? Is he the guy that carries the team to where they need to go? That's what we're going to see here, you know, in these spring practices. Is to see how good is Caleb Williams really? Look, he's been in Lincoln Riley's system. They know each other very well. I think that's a great sign. I think Lincoln Riley is tempering expectations. He's telling people, oh, we might not get there so far, but He's made so many moves as far as the transfer window and recruiting guys that I think he's setting this team up to be a Pac-10, Pac-12, excuse me, favorite right now. Uh, so I think that's where the expectation is. I don't see a college football playoff in his first season. That would be, you know, exceeding the expectations. But I think competing for a Pac-12 championship, even if they could play in that game, yeah. I think would be great. And I think that's where it is. And it's got us excited again, right? You're excited. I'll be out I'm, I'm pumped. Listen, I mean, the fact that USC is back in the national conversation, the, back, the fact that they're getting – Great recruits again. I mean, that, I think that was the biggest mark or knock on Clay Helton to not even get the kids from Southern California. You got to protect your own home field. Michael, you're the best. Thanks as always for joining us. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is the Rosh Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we worry brothers close to heart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.